It's so good to worship together. Had an opportunity to worship with uh, many of you guys in Auditorium 2. We've got a lot of people over in Auditorium 2 right now. It's an awesome time to be able to worship together. Uh, we're going to start a brand new series called Jesus 101. Jesus 101. Now, we're going to hit several things in this series, but uh, I think sometimes you got to just get back to some fundamental basic things that can easily be lost if we're not careful. Now, I wanted to call this series Church for Dummies, um, or the Complete Idiot's Guide for How to Be a Part of a Local Church, but I didn't think that was loving, and yet still, somehow, I'm very fulfilled in not titling that and still saying it, okay? So... But what I want to do is I want to talk about some very basic things at times that we can uh, have uh, that can get lost to us. And I've shared this story before, but I, I really love this example. And uh, it just fascinated me when I heard it because it was such a simple illustration. But it was 1961. And uh, some of you guys have probably heard this, but Vince Lombardi, you know, and, and his team had just, I mean, the year before they had barely, just barely lost the big game just in the last few minutes. By the way, this is... This is a football from Super Bowl one. November 11th, 2001, because this is from a league that I created when I was a youth pastor of a bunch of, uh, yeah, a bunch of teenagers. And this is the Super Bowl football from Super Bowl one on November 11th, uh, 2001. And we had eight teams in the league and my team won the Super Bowl. And so you see, I've got my name on here. My brother Ben was on the team. We have several people here. So this is a special football. But uh, in 1961, Vince Lombardi's team had just come off a, a big loss and they go back into training camp. And he, he goes before a group of guys who, uh, I mean, they had just, they had trained for this all their life. They were so disappointed the year before. And he walks into this group of guys, grown men who do this. Uh, I mean, they've, they've worked their whole life for this. And he simply does this. He walks in and he says, gentlemen, this is a football. How many of you guys know they knew what a football was, right? But he was simply making a point that no matter how far you get, you can never forget the basics. You can never forget the things that you need to know foundationally. And they went on to win like five Super Bowls or something like after that. And, and I believe it's attributed to the fact that Vince Lombardi was willing to take these guys who thought they knew it and take them back down to say, hey, let's make sure we get some of the basics before we go on. And so you never disregard the one-on-ones. You never get to the, you never advance beyond doing them. Sometimes we think we are, we're going to advance beyond it, but you never do. And so even though this is a simplistic message, uh, it's going to be a dense message. In other words, there's going to be a lot of things here. And so I want you to pay attention and ask the Holy Spirit for what part is for you today. And so this, this version of Jesus 101 is going to be titled this, How to Be a Part of a Local Church. Now that may seem like a very simple concept. Because you're in church today, you're here, maybe some of you guys are watching online right now, and, and you think maybe that's a very simple topic, like how to be a part of a local church. But I'm going to tell you how to be a part of a local church, and, and I have quite a bit of experience being a part of a local church, because I've been a part of a local church ever since I was born. I mean, probably the very next Sunday that I, after I was born, I was in church, and I've been in church ever since. 
And I've been a part of all sorts of versions of church. How many of you guys have been around church world for a little while? Some of you guys. How many of you guys who've been around church world for a while remember the fern phase when there was ferns everywhere, right? So, I mean, why were there ferns everywhere? Just ferns everywhere and plexiglass pulpits for some reason. There were plexiglass pulpits and ferns. So we have a good steel pulpit here because I don't know if it's my pushback on the plexiglass. I don't know. But there was ferns everywhere. And then there, how many of you guys have been part of the banner like raising church. Anybody been a part of one of those, right? Okay, some of you, a few of you guys have. Yeah, and so I, I've seen all of that. Uh, what about the days when, I remember my dad had one of these suits that it was like a corduroy suit with like these patches on the elbows. How many of you guys still, how many of you guys still own one of those? Those Somebody still owns one. We had some guys last night too. And so, yeah, those were the days. And then remember when you could bring your own instruments to church. You didn't have to be on the band. You could, my dad would bring his tambourine every time. And I'm telling you, it had to be like a custom tambourine because that fit his hand. And he just, I mean, he had a thing going. I remember every single time he'd bring his own tambourine. And so I've been a part of church world for a long time. I've been in churches in foreign countries where there's just a dirt floor and a small congregation. You could feel the presence of God, right? I've been in, in, I mean, I've heard many uh, church services in foreign countries where I've heard it in a different language. I, did, I had to just try to say, man, I don't know what's going on, but it looks pretty cool. Had the earpiece in my ear where somebody's translating it for me before. And so I've been in church all different places, all different types of churches. I've been in Mexico where uh, I went into this Catholic church in Mexico and, man, saw some really creepy Jesus statues, okay? I mean, just really creepy stuff. And I'm like, man, there's just all kinds of versions of church. I was a youth pastor at a mega church, and yet I helped put on a service in a storage unit church, literally. We had to go through the storage unit complex to find where the church was at. And we go in there, and man, they had a congregation in this storage unit. And I don't know how they did that, but they got a bunch of people in there. They must have had the 10 by 20 unit because they even had a lobby somehow in there. So we, you walk in, and you had a visitor desk. I don't know how they did it. And so in all these variations of church that we can see and, and we can be a part of and throughout the years I've seen, I believe that we, from time to time, we have to go back to the very beginning of the church. And at the very beginning of the church, I believe there are some foundational things that we never get beyond. Some things that in all the variations and styles, there's common threads throughout them all. So let's go back to these things that I believe endure throughout the ages. Acts chapter 2. You guys remember on the day of Pentecost, the tongues of fire, the church was born. Peter gets up, preaches a sermon, 3,000 people get saved, and then... Acts chapter 2, verse 42 tells us what happened next. What happened next? So let's look at this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done throughout the, through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling all their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's some things in this that we see, I believe, will endure throughout the ages and have endured throughout the ages. But from time to time, we seem to lose them. And so we've got to reclaim them. So what I want to do is I want to package this in three words, three sections, I should say. And they are words that I've told you before, but they're words that I believe are characteristics of people who make it 
in a church. They're characteristics of people who make it in a small group. They're characteristics of people who make it following Jesus. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the three words. The, the words are hunger, people who have a hunger for God. People who have humility, who are teachable, who are pliable, who are willing to be molded. And people who invite the Holy Spirit's work into their life. I've seen those things. Now, I've seen people have two out of three and it doesn't work. One out of three doesn't work. But when you get three out of three going on, when you have people who are hungry, you have people who are humble, and you have people who invite the work of the Holy Spirit in their life, something seems to happen. Something seems to grow and change. And so what I want to do is I want to give you seven characteristics or seven things about how to be a part of a local church. And I'm going to package them under these three words. And so the first section is under the area of hunger. If you want to be successfully a part of a local church, there's going to be a hunger for God. But how does that express itself in a local church? Number one, it's going to sound very complicated, guys. Okay, it's going to be very complicated. I'm glad you're sitting down. Because here, here it is, okay? If you want to successfully be a part of a local church, show up. Just show up regularly, okay? Like, I know this is hard. I know it's hard. And it's hard to get, okay? But, but let's look at this. In, in Acts chapter 2, verse 46, again, let's go back. And day by day, so they were gathering day by day, okay? Some of us struggle quarter by quarter. I get it, okay? It's hard. There's a lot going on. Day by day, they were in the temple, Together, breaking bread in their house, in their homes, and received the, their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. There's a regularity that's happening. There's a consistency that's happening. There's not a hit and miss that's happening. And this is, this is the characteristic that I believe is lost on our society. It's lost in our generation. Let me give you some statistics. I know we love statistics, but let me give you some of them just to give you a picture of what's happened to, you know, a lot of us, we want to say, hey, we're a Christian nation. We're fighting for a Christian nation. You want to know what's happening in, in our nation? Due to a 10-point drop in the last decade, America is no longer a church-attending nation. Do you know whose fault that is? It says, no longer a church attending, a majority church attending nation. According to a Pew, Pew Research, 45% of American adults say they attend religious services monthly or more. I say monthly because the average church attendance is no longer weekly. It's maybe once a month. So how do you guys know? We got an issue going on, don't we? We, we got a problem going on. Just in the last decade, we've dropped 10 percentage points. And let me, let me just put a little more reality to that. That's a pre-pandemic stat. That's before the pandemic. They did another research study in July, so rewind the tape just a few months, and here's what they found. 35% of people are still attending their pre-COVID church. 35%. 32% are no longer attending church. These are of people who were the once a monthers or whatever. 14% have switched to a new church and 18% are watching worship services from different churches each month. Now, here's, here's what's interesting. Last week, we, did, we, we didn't live stream our services and we told everybody we weren't gonna live stream our services. There were some reasons why we couldn't do that. Guess what happened? 
We had one of our biggest weekends in months. Now, that's great. That's awesome. Here's the problem, though. I've heard a lot of people who said, you know what? I've just found it to be more convenient to watch church online at home. Can I just tell you something? This is going to be a strong message. I know you guys love this, but can I just tell you church is not something you watch? Church is something you come and you be a part of. You rub shoulders with people. Even in a COVID world, you can rub shoulders with people, okay? Because, and so we've got an issue. If you want, and this is very, again, this is 101. This is bottom shelf stuff, guys. You show up regularly. We have to get back into the holy habit of gathering. Now, I get it. There are some, some of you guys who are watching online right now, there are some legitimate reasons why you can't be here. I get that, okay? I have compassion for that. We all do. We all have compassion for that. But if you are able and you're unwilling, come on, it's time to flip the switch and say yes again to following Jesus. It's time to say yes to be a part of a local church. So that, that, it's a hunger. There's something about a hunger that drives you to be in fellowship with other believers. The second thing is this, and this may sound odd, but when I talk about being a part of a local church, but if you wanna be a part of a local church, feed yourself. Over the years, I've had a lot of people come from other churches and say, well, I just my old, old church, I just wasn't being fed. Or, you know, I've had somebody on the way out say, you know, I just don't know if I was just being fed. You know, that statement of I'm just not being fed to me is an admission of laziness in your spiritual walk. Because you're not supposed to just come here and to be fed and to get the word of God. You're supposed to also, I mean, be equipping yourselves and be meditating on the word and be in your prayer closet and be in worship times outside of this gathering. Watch what happened in Acts chapter two, verse 42. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of the bread and the prayers. I believe both were happening. I believe they were gathering day by day, but they were also devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. The implication is that they were feeding on it, thinking about it, motivated by it. They were chewing on it throughout the times that they were not gathered. Now, sometimes even when, when you have that feeling of like, like, I'm not being fed, there's something that's different about this season. There are times in your life when God calls you to a church and you may not even understand why you're, why you're even there. It may be for different reasons than what you think. My dad, for a season, for several years, God told him to go to this church, and God told him up front, this, I'm not having you go to this church for you. I'm having you go to this church for your kids because they're gonna find spouses here. And I ended up finding my wife, and several of us found our, our wives there when we were at church. Met her in youth group. I was 16 years old, saw her over there at the youth concession stand. I'm like, I think that'll be fine for me. And <laughs> here we are. And... Uh, and so, so sometimes we get into this mode of like, we're just, well, I just, I'm not feeling this, I'm not feeling. Sometimes we gotta step back and say, God, why are you calling me? You know, that you can be called to a church. Why are you calling me here? What do you want me to participate? It's not all about me. What do you want me to, to do while I'm here? And we have to feed ourselves at times because when you're showing up and you're filling up, and you're, you're feeding on the word of God on the outside, you begin to grow. But when you're only doing one or the other, something starts to short circuit from time to time. When you only try to fill up on podcasts and books and all these things outside of the local gathering of the church, something's gonna short circuit. It's not, maybe not in your heart, but maybe in your family's heart. Maybe in the next, I don't know. 
But something is going to short circuit. But how many of you guys know there's so much power against the enemy whenever we feed on the word of God, not just while we're together, but we're meditating on it when we're in our prayer closet. Because there are gonna be times in your life, how many of you guys have ever been there when you got all fired up on the weekend and then come Friday, you had enough of your coworkers and you're about ready to get saved again. Anybody ever been there before? When you're in a moment like that and you still got two days before the weekend, you better have had some time in your prayer closet. You better have had some time in the word of God because you can't always lifeline your pastor to bail you out. And so we have to feed on the word of God. Sometimes you have to put the word of God in you while you don't think you need it so that it'll be there and show up when you do need it. Now, Jesus, this happened to Jesus even. When he's just getting ready to start his ministry, he's, he's called out into the wilderness. And while I was, uh, a couple weeks ago, I showed a Joe McGee clip. And while I was looking for that particular clip, I stumbled across this one, which I thought is such a powerful, impactful point when it comes to feeding yourself and battling the enemy. So let's watch. And so the Holy Ghost leads Jesus off into the wilderness to square off against the devil. So Satan's looking at him. He's watching. He notices something. He's not eating. Now, we know on this side, Jesus is doing a 40-day fast. Now, I've done one of those. Boy, you better know Jesus if we ever do that. I'll tell you. <laughs> it's not good. So he's watching. There's a three-day fast, a seven-day fast, a 40-day fast. So he's watching. He knows he's not eating. Ooh, he's got fasting. So the devil's attracted to weakness. The devil's not going to attack me where I'm strong. He's going to attack me where I'm weak. He's waiting on Jesus to get weak. So he knows on day eight, ooh, he's going for the big one. He's going for the 40-day fast. So he waits to the 40th day. Lucifer approaches him at his weakest moment. So day 41, he's going to get a strength base, start eating again. And so he walks up to him and said, uh, are you the son of God? Now, God just told him at the baptism 40 days ago, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. He did that for Lucifer to hear. Lucifer couldn't find him. God said, here he is. So Lucifer's been watching for 40 days. He said, that doesn't look like the second with the Godhead. That's a smelly Jewish flesh. Doesn't have any underarm, hadn't shaved, bathed teeth. He could peel the bark off a pine tree with his breath. That's skank. And liars never believe the truth. Liars never believe the truth. So he comes to me and said, are you the son of God? I said, well, if you're the son of God, why don't you turn some of these rocks into bread and we'll sit down and eat lunch, talk over old times. And the first time ever a human spoke the word of God to the devil in recorded scripture and said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. The devil knows. It hit the devil like a, like a hammer. It did not hurt his feelings. It hit him on top of the head like a two before. He grabs Jesus, takes him up on top of the temple. Because you've not eaten in 40 days, your equilibrium's not too good. So you kind of rock and roll. And so the devil takes him up there and he quotes it twice. He knows it has power. He doesn't know what it means that it is written. What is that? But it hit him like a ball bat. So he quotes it twice to Jesus. It is written. It is written. Throw yourself off. The angels, they'll catch you. They don't let you stub your toe on a rock. Jesus up there and said, it is also written. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And I used to tell kids, those are not horns on the devil's head. Those are knots. Jesus put them in the wilderness. Boom! <laughs> so the devil takes Jesus up to a high place, shows him all the kingdoms of the planet. Said, I know why you're here. You're here to get this back. Well, it's mine. You bow down and worship me and I'll give them to you. Well, number one, he's a liar. But Jesus said, no. And he hit him with a third, it is written. The Bible says the devil left him for a season. Now, the devil does not play fair. He'll kill a newborn baby. He'll kill a 90-year-old grandmother. He doesn't care who he kills. He's a murderer, a thief, and a liar. He'll kill anything and anybody. Our job is to resist him. So, all of a sudden, the devil left for a season. Why? He can't handle it. His, his head has been rocked. The Bible says the angels came to minister to Jesus. Now, that's all we know. The angels came to well, minister what? You know, have a hallelujah dance? You know, Jericho march? What? Well, number one, he's hungry. 
kind of skanky. Might give him a bath or a shower because he's pretty nasty. Well, they came to feed him something. I'm trying to imagine the angels coming to minister to Christ, and there he is, smelling, stanky. He's not living in Winnebago out there. It's nasty out in that place. And they're feeding him lunch. And I imagine a conversation, something like this. This is thus says Joe. I've taught teenagers so long, I, love, I just think different. I try to imagine the angels feeding him lunch, and Jesus sitting there eating lunch with those skanky self. Hey, you boys, did you boys see that? Yes, Master. We were watching. There are thousands of us. We were waiting for you to call on us, but you never called. He's eating his lunch. He's watching the devil high tail over the hill. I beat him. Yes, you do. Way to go, Lord. No, you don't understand. I didn't beat him as God. I beat him as a man with the word of God. And soon there will be millions of us and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. He came to build a church out of thumb-sucking, hell-bound Powerful. That's powerful stuff right there. So you have to have a hunger for, for God. You, you show up regularly. You feed yourself. Now let's move into the section of humility. And the next things I'm going to try to rapidly go through because I've got three or four of them here that I need to move through pretty quickly. But again, these are one-on-one basic things if you want to be a part of a local church. And it's this. Number three is this. Give generously. Acts chapter 2, verse 45, and they were, sitting, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, I realize this is a special time in the church. So I don't believe God is asking every single person to give everything they have away. But yet it is a prototype or an example or a seed to say that the church is going to be a generous church, that the church is going to be a giving church. And so how many of you guys know that if you give to your local church, it doesn't mean you're spiritually mature. It really doesn't mean that you're spiritually mature. If you give to your local church, a lot of people can give. A lot of people can write a check. Giving to your local church does not mean you're spiritually mature. But not giving to your local church does mean that you're spiritually immature. It's bottom shelf stuff, guys. This is one-on-one. Okay, so... If you want to be a part of a local church, we give to our local church. That's what the Bible says. Okay, this is not Sean. This is the scriptures, okay? So again, I'm not going to spend a lot, a lot of time on this. But it's because it's just one-on-one. It's heart-locating stuff. It's heart-locating stuff that we give to our local church. And so these are things that we do when we are, want to be a part of a local church. Number four, again, very basic stuff, but we serve other people in our church. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 46. Look at it again. Day by day, tending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. It talks about breaking bread in their homes. Well, there were many times when somebody had to help feed that bread because there were widows and different things. And we can skip over to Acts chapter 6, and we see this. It says, now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, the church is growing, a complaint uh, by the Hellenists, that's Greek-speaking Jews, arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So the 12 summoned the full number of disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we shall appoint to this duty. Again, this is in seed form, what's supposed to happen in the body of Christ, that we, if you want to be a part of a local church, you serve other people in the local church. So as, as a part of a local church, we serve people within the walls and we serve people outside the walls. I've seen a lot of people pick one or the other or zero, right? 
But as a part of a local church, if you want to successfully be a part of a local church, you can attend a local church. I'm not talking about attending a church. I'm saying if you want to be a part of a local church, you're going to find some way to serve inside the house and inside with other people. And let me just put it strongly, if I haven't preached this message strong enough already, that if you're not serving somewhere or someone in your local church, then basically you are just consuming this church. You're just, we're just consuming. Now, we, that word has been a word that none of us really like to say, well, I don't want to be a consumer. And yet, evaluate your heart right now. Evaluate your, your life right now. Am I just a consumer of this local church? Am I just an attender of this local church? If you want to successfully be a part of a local church, you're going to give. You're going to serve. Number five, Find a tribe, find a group of people to do life with, to connect with. This may look different to different people. Our encouragement is that we want to connect you in a group. Sometimes this happens formally. Our hope is that it happens formally in, in the sense that you can plug in with the vision, that you can plug in with people, that we can connect you back to the heart and mission of this church. Uh, Acts chapter two, verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. So they were in the temple, they were also in their homes. Sometimes, you, sometimes we, we don't want to be a part of a group in a church because we think, well, I don't really need to be discipled right now. I'm kind of in a season where I feel like I'm okay. You know, there are times when you get in, around a group of people that you normally wouldn't get around, not because you need to be discipled, but because you need to disciple someone else. Can I tell you there's never a time when you don't need to disciple someone else? And if you're a part, and you say, well, I disciple people. You know, if you aren't discipling people, in some way, or, or being discipled by, or connecting with people in this local church that you're a part of, then you're an attender of a local church. But we have to be a part, in, and we have to find people in, in our uh, church to be around. And most likely, many of you already have a tribe of people that you run around with. The question is, what kind of tribe of people are they? Because every one of us has a tribe that we hang around with, uh, maybe even if you're not in a formal small group. Here's, here's what I've noticed, though. Have you guys ever noticed this? That rebellious people tend to be attracted to rebellious people, and yet we call it independent. I'm just, we're just independent people. We're just independent thinkers. Listen, I've been a pastor long enough to be able to see right through that. Rebellious people tend to be attracted to rebellious people, and yet we just say we're independent. Or fearful, fearful people tend to be attracted to fearful people. And we call it, well, we're just being wise. We're just being safe. Gossips tend to be attracted to gossips and we just say, well, we're just being real. We're just being authentic. Number one, be careful how you label what's happening in your group. Be careful to accurately label what's going on in your group. But secondly, I would say this, and I said this as a youth pastor, many of you guys have probably heard this as well, it's very true, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Let me take it even further. Show me your friends, I'll show you your present. Honestly evaluate what, what your, your tribe is. Honestly evaluate, because here's the good news. Hungry for God people attract hungry for God people. And those people who have decided, you know, I'm not hungry for God yet, but I wanna be. Healthy people attract healthy people. And people who said, I may not be healthy yet, but I sure want to be. 
So my challenge is if you want to be a part of a local church, find some hungry for God people or be some hungry for God people and let some other people be attracted to that and don't allow yourself to be in some other thing that doesn't look like Jesus. Find a tribe of people. All right, number six is this. Catch the vision. If you wanna be a part of a local church, you have to catch the vision. This is important. Acts chapter two, verse 44 says, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now, I don't necessarily believe that they agreed on every single thing because there's not one person on the planet that I personally agree with every single thing. But it implies here that they agreed enough to be able to walk together in unity. That there was enough to be able to say, I'm gonna lay down some things so that I can walk together in, I don't agree with everything, but I agree enough to walk together in unity. If you wanna be a part of a local church, you have to plug in your heart, your effort, your talent, your, your gifting into the unique calling and expression and anointing upon that local church, wherever, whatever that is. You, because there's a calling of God on that, just like there's a calling of God on your life, there's a calling of God on Journey Church's life. There's a calling, there's a reason God put us here. There's a reason, there's a unique expression that God has placed us here for. It doesn't mean we're better or worse than anyone else, it just means that every church has a unique calling and a unique expression that God has placed them there for. And I've had many people over the years tell me over and over or ask me over and over and over again, why can't churches just get together and do stuff together? Why can't we just be one big church in Liberty? Why can't we just be one big church? And I, as a pastor, I've, I've wondered that. And by the way, I'm friends with a lot of pastors in this area. I really, we get together, we have coffee all the time, we're friends, we text each other all the time. And so I'm friends with a lot of pastors, but I have a lot of people who struggle with that. Like, why can't we just be one big happy family and do everything together and do, you know, all this stuff? And God showed me something years ago that really helped me understand why uh, why it's not a bad thing that there are many different churches and different styles in an area. And, and to do that, I have to take you back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. How many of you guys know in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there's a picture of the body of Christ. And every single one of us in this room are a piece or a part of the body of Christ. Some of you might be a hand. Some of you might be a foot. Some of you might be an eye. In that scripture, in that chapter, it tells us not to despise other parts of the body. Okay, you're not supposed to despise, well, man, I really wish that I was a hand, or man, I, I sure wish they were like me. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to appreciate, to treasure, to value all the different parts of the body. So we're not supposed to despise parts of the body, but neither are we supposed to become the other parts of the body. So what God showed me years ago is that just like inside of a local church, there's a body with many parts. Inside a local community, there is a body of churches. With, there's, there's a church with many parts of the body. And so Journey Church might be a hand in this community. The, the table over there might be a foot. Pleasant Valley might be an ear. You know, uh, Liberty Christian Fellowship might be an eye. I don't know. 
But, but what happens is we tend to want everyone to be the same and to be the, the exact same. But we're not, we're not called to despise other parts of the body. But neither are we called to become other parts of the body. And if Journey Church doesn't come with its full expression and anointing of who God has called us to be, uniquely called us to be, and if we don't fully bring that to this community, then something is missing about the body of Christ in the Liberty area. And that's why it's so important for people to plug in to wherever and to plant where God has called you. Because if you don't fully plant in the local church that God has called you, then you won't fully bring it to expression. The fullness of how God has created you to thrive in a local church within diminishes the local church in the area of this city and in the area of this region. So if we tend to, and, and so what I've had people do is say, well, hey, can't I just have friends in other churches? Well, of course you can of course you can have it. We're part of the big church. We're part of the big C church. But let me also say this. I've had many people over the years say something like this. Hey, I just, I had somebody I had to discover the journey, of, of, you know, a couple years ago. And then many other people actually, you know, say something like this. Well, I really feel like I'm supposed to be called to this church, but I still have a small group over at my other church. I'd rather plug into that small group rather than plug into a small group at Journey. Can I do that? And I say, sure, you can do that. But here's what will happen eventually. Division. You, sometimes we think of division as such a bad word, like, right? And I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way, but here's what I mean. Division is simply two visions, die vision. It's not that either vision is bad. It's simply that at some point you're gonna run across where you are torn between two visions two expressions of the body of Christ trying to bring its fullness and both now become diluted and you become impotent in your effectiveness. And I've seen it over and over and over again where here's what will happen. Well, first of all, many of those people either had to abandon that and plug in or they're not here. Because eventually what happened is they figured out they couldn't, they couldn't be in two places at once. Because it's not that either was bad, it's just simply God's desire is to plug in and plant where he's planted us. And if God's called you to a particular place, man, let's plant roots and bring to fullness the fullness of what God wants to accomplish in that place. Now, and, and that's, that's hard to do. Because sometimes we, we look at a church and we're like, man, I don't know if I, I wanna fully plant. I don't know if I wanna fully, because there's some things in my heart that I don't see happening that I wanna see happen. Listen. Anytime you want to pick something up, you probably have to lay something down. In order to be a part of a local church, you're going to have to lay something down to be able to catch the vision. It's the same in a marriage. How many of you guys know in a marriage, there are times you have to lay down your preferences in order to see the marriage thrive. The same is true in a local church. We sometimes have to lay down our preferences to see something thrive. But if God has called you there, if God has planted you there, then you'll be willing to lay something down in order to take something up. Now, I was reminded of this clip from, uh, from Francis Chan, and he talked about you know, going to the underground church in China and different places and how it's such a different world and how easy it is for us to get caught up in consumerism here versus understanding what it's like to be called to a place and to be able to persevere. So take a look. 
Man, when we, were in, when we were in China, you know, we went to the underground church. I always wanted to see what is that like? What is, what is it really like? And we went to this, uh, this training uh, thing for, for, for underground uh, church leaders that, that wanted to be missionaries and go to the Middle East and everywhere else. And, you know, and the leader was saying, yeah, we'll, we'll take you there, but we can't take your whole family. It's just kind of crazy. It's, it, you know, it could be a little dangerous. And so I said, all right, all right, I'll just take my oldest daughter. She's most expendable. We'll, we'll go and we'll go hang out. And, so we go, we walk in, and you ever been in one of those places where it's just filled with the Spirit? Like you just walk in, you hear the prayers of the people, the, the, the singing, the crying, the weeping, the intensity of prayer, and you go, man, this is nuts. This isn't, and, and, and so I'm supposed to speak, and again, do you know how embarrassing it is to speak at places like that, where you go, I, I don't know, I don't know what you guys go through, man. I don't, I haven't touched it. And I said, can you guys please just teach me instead? Can you please tell me stories of your persecution? And they, they, were, they were like tripping out over me. They, they're just like, why, why do you want to hear this stuff? I go, well, they said, everyone gets persecuted. I go, no, not everyone. I, I said, you know, not where I come from. And I said, so tell me stories. And they're telling me stories of, of government coming and, and guns going off and them running for their lives or hiding. And I'm just sitting there like a little kid just going, wow, yeah, tell me more, tell me more. And different people would just stand up, oh, one time this happened, one time this happened. And I'm just, you know, my daughter and I, you know, our eyes are as big as mine get. You know, it's just like, whoa, you know, like, wow, this is, this is ridiculous. This is, this is insane. And, and again, they were just so confused by me. They're like, why do you like this so much? And, and I, go, I go, you got to understand where I come from. I, I said, see, in America, we have these buildings in our cities called churches. And we just do services in, on them and, you know, in them. And so people just, they go and attend a service. And uh, it's just like an hour, maybe hour and a half, a week. And, and if uh, another church has a better speaker, they'll switch, you know? And, uh, and I said, or if the music's better or childcare's better. And this, is, this was the weirdest part of it. They started laughing hysterically. I mean, it wasn't like, haha, or all oh, that's sad, or are oh, you kidding? I mean, hysterically, to where my daughter Rachel afterwards like, Dad, was that the weirdest thing? I go, yes. <laughs> She goes, they were like laughing, thinking you're the funniest guy on earth. They're just, and I wasn't trying to be funny, you know. It, 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 it was just one of those times where they're laughing hysterically because they're going, how did you get that from this? Are you kidding me? You, that's what you guys do? And, 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 and it just confirmed. I just went away. I go, exactly. See, that's what I always thought too. But you don't understand when you're in it, a lot of these things make sense. And you almost go, well, that, and that's why I came here. I wanted to be with you guys. And, and just, uh, I never thought it made sense. There was always something that bothered me. I, I'm just like, your lives make sense. The people in India, their lives made sense. Their view of Christianity made sense. It was congruent with the scriptures. But ever since I was a kid, I would read this and go to church and go, gosh, it doesn't quite, I, it's not even close, I don't think. You know, how can we do this? How can it be so off? And then you, you realize, wait, when you, you just put China and India together, you know, they're both over a billion people. 
Okay, when we're talking about 40% of the whole earth's population in those two countries, and that's the way they view Christianity. And here we are in the U.S., maybe 4% of the earth's population. And the way we view it and the way we do it, you understand, it's just weird. It's laughable to other people. And that's why there was just this heart of, I, I gotta come back. No, I know now. Okay, I've always thought this, and I've known it. It's just you get questioned and by all these people, and you start to question yourself. And that's why I went. I go, you know what? This is exactly what I needed. This is exactly what I thought. And now, God, could something like that happen here? These are the people I love most. These are the people I've spent my time with. Is there something we can do? You guys know that's pretty challenging, right? But it's reality. It's reality. I'm going to have the worship team come back up as we get ready to close. I'm not done yet, but we're, we're getting ready to do something. I want to make clear that I'm not saying that if you don't do these things, you're not a believer. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying if you don't do these things, you're not gonna, you haven't received the grace of God. I'm not saying that. Because you have, and you are. But it does mean that it's going to be hard for you to grow and thrive in church. You're going to always struggle. You're gonna wonder why it's such a struggle. You're gonna wonder, or you're gonna end up going to the same church, have the same problems over and over again. Don't think that a different church is gonna solve your problem if we don't have the basics going on. If you've just come to Journey, and you're like, man, my last place I was at, man, I'm glad. This Journey's not gonna solve your problem if we don't get the basics going on. And so it does mean that you're, you're going to struggle if you don't do these things. Or the scariest thing at all of, of all to me is that you end up growing complacent in your walk with God and you don't even know it. And that's where I think a lot of people are. They're just complacent and they don't even know it because we've just become used to what Francis talked about. It just becomes, we become inoculated to what's in here. And we think, well, obviously there's, a dis there's going to be a disconnect from what happened here and what's happening here. Obviously. We become complacent to it. This is not a checklist of things you have to do to be right, for God, for, right with God. But these are instructions from the word of God. Very basic instructions from the word of God. These are, in fact, 101s. So we talked about hunger. We talked about humility. Let's, let's wrap it up with the last thing here. And that's the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 43, it says, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. If you want to be a part of a local church, I believe one of the requirements or one of the, the practices is to expect the presence of God to show up in our midst. Expect God to move. Expect miracles to happen. Expect things to happen. These things, this hunger, this humility, this Holy Spirit, people who have the Holy Spirit actively working in their lives, these are the characteristics of people who make it. People who make it in a group. I believe people who make it in a marriage, people who make it in a church. These are the characteristics of, these are the characteristics of how you even read your Bible. This is all, these are the things, okay? But we ought to expect the presence of God to move in our midst, and so I felt like as, we, as I was praying for this service that we needed to do exactly that. And so if you're here today and you need a miracle of some sort, 
You need a miracle in your body. You need a miracle breakthrough in your relationship. I don't know what it is. We're gonna pray for you right now. We're gonna expect, listen, we have seen miracle after miracle happen in this church. I mean, like documented medical miracles, like where somebody had a surgery scheduled and they, we prayed for them and they went to the doctor and they said, what happened? We, what happened between when we met last and the surgery? And we, well, we prayed. Well, we don't need to do the surgery anymore. Last night, as I was talking about this very thing and, and we were getting ready to pray for that and I had those people who needed a breakthrough, needed a miracle, stand up. Our, one of our worship leaders, Michael Toole, he had had a migraine headache all day long. He had had a migraine headache even while leading worship. He had just, he worshiped through it. And as I got up and he was up here and I stood right here and I began, I said, hey, we have seen miracles happen. We're believing for miracles happen right now instantaneously his migraine headache left right there on stage. We had another situation of a gentleman who uh, had back issues. God completely healed him as he was walking out like the pain completely left. I haven't heard all the other stories, haven't been able to follow up with them. I'm telling you, this happened last night, okay, guys? This is not something, I'm telling you a story about three months ago, 10 years ago, some foreign country. This like literally happened. You either believe it or you don't, but it's, it just happened. And so I believe God's presence is here right now. We believe that God still heals today. There's no expiration date to God's miracles or God's power in scripture. You're not gonna find an expiration date. And so we believe that God still heals, delivers, saves, all of those things. So if you need a breakthrough, you need a miracle, would you just stand up right now where you're at? We're gonna pray right now. Some of you guys need some sort of restoration in your life. I don't know if that means something to anybody or not, but the, that word restore is gonna mean something to you. If that's you, you can stand up as well and we're gonna believe for a breakthrough. Come on, just give, give you just a minute here because I, I believe God's working on some people's hearts right now. If you're on the fence, I don't know why you would want to linger any longer. You're in a house of believers who love you, who are for you. You're in a moment where the presence of God has been prepared for us to receive, to soften our hearts. The word of God has gone forth and it's been preached and the Bible says it doesn't come back void. It's gonna accomplish some things in our life. All right, second auditorium, if that's you too, go ahead and just stand up right where you're at. And let's pray. Lord, we just declare right now that you are a miracle working God. We know that if there's, we, we thank you right now for anyone who needs healing in their body. We speak health and healing. We speak to any pain that it has to leave in the name of Jesus. We speak breakthrough where the doctors have said the word impossible, incurable, it's over. We just, we reverse that in the name of Jesus. For ongoing issues that seem to be never going away, we, we say there's a stop right now. Lord, we disagree with your word. 
We pray over marriages and relationships where there needs to be a supernatural breakthrough because in the natural, there's no hope. In the natural, it's over. In the natural, it's gone. We speak resurrection right now. Resurrection life of Jesus flow right now. There's somebody here who needs a breakthrough in the area of their finances and they have a desire to give and to be free and to not be under this burden and the stress has become a breaking point maybe lost a job, or we speak breakthrough right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you're here and and if it's possible for you to put your hand on a part of your body that maybe needs to be healed, it's appropriate to do so, I encourage you to do that just as an act of faith. Just begin right now by faith to, to receive a miracle from God. Receive a miracle. How do, you, how do you receive healing? How do you do that? It's very, very simple. It's just like receiving salvation. It's just by faith. We just receive it as a gift. So, Lord, we just receive these things right now. We receive this breakthrough right now. We declare breakthrough right now. We declare miracles right now. Come on, if you can feel that God is doing something even in your body right now or something that you can identify that maybe it's an emotional thing that you've had a breakthrough in, would you just lift up your hands so that you can just give God some praise right now if you can already sense that God is doing something. All right, thank you guys. Right over here, there, back there, over there, right over here, right over there. Lord, we thank you for that. When we just say move right now in our hearts, put a hunger in our hearts. We wanna be people who are humble, teachable. People who are willing to be molded. And Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and do your work in us. Lord, if there's any part of us that needs to change, Lord, we receive that change. We receive that conviction. We believe that you want what's best for us and we receive that right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's all stand up and let's just worship him with everything we have.